Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. We are celebrating and we're just about Midsummer Carnival, Midsummer Festival, um, you know, is is getting underway, uh, about to join us. The CEO of Midsummer Festival, Karen Bryant, joins us. How are you, Karen? I'm really good and good morning. Are you calm? Oh, I'm excited. Excited. Um, yeah, as I say, calm makes me, I always think of laying back and I'm oh. certainly not doing that at the moment. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm relaxed, um, but I'm certainly, as is the whole team, gearing up for, you know, a, a, a wonder of spectacular things to occur in summer. So midsummer has been a part of Melbourne for, well, longer than I care to remember. It makes me, makes me feel quite ancient. <laughs> Is it fair to say, Karen, is this the largest midsummer ever? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, 224 separate events. Oh, wow. Um, which is extraordinary, particularly, I think, because, you know, whilst I guess is that, you know, people think, oh, well, coming out of COVID, everybody wants to come out and do things. But, you know, some people are still a bit tentative and also for a lot of artists, you know, it was really hard to create during that. You came up with lots of great ideas, but it was hard to actually create over that time. So, you know, we thought it might take a little while for people to get back into gear. No. <laughs> there's, there's plenty on offer. And there's so many events. There are so many locations. There is so much choice. How difficult, Karen, you know, for all of you there, you know, curating this and, and putting it together and, you know, drawing it all together, how do you do it? And stay sane. Oh, look, I like what I do. I, yeah. I feel incredibly honoured to have the role that I have. So, you know, I think that's the starting point is that genuine love of, you know, how many people can really say that, you know, maybe not every day, but the majority of days that you get up and you love to go to work. Um, and, and that's the, the lucky situation that I'm in and uh, my, the, the team around me are in, in that, you know, we're working in a space that, um, is that we love, but also we see as incredibly important. I've worked in festivals and arts events well since I was 16. I've loved all of it, but this is the first gig that I truly feel changes people and changes communities. And you know, it's a it's a real um, you know it's a, it's just sit back and go. I'm a custodian of, of mm. amongst others, a custodian of that, and you take that responsibility really seriously. But we also have a lot of fun. <laughs> so. I'm going to ask Misha, you've had a, a look through the program a bit, Misha, and uh, there's a lot to look at. Are there any events you'd like to ask Karen about, anything that, that you know, that sort of rings your bell or potentially, you know, you're going to say, oh, I'm going to have a look at that, oh, I'm going to go to that. There are, but before I do that, I actually wanted to ask another question, which is I'm always interested in these sort of cultural events, the ways in which they sort of um, create a history and a tradition. Um, mm. And I'm just wondering if, Karen, you could tell us a bit about, um, because I'm not aware of exactly how long Midsummer's been going and sort of how it came about yeah. initially? Yeah, it's been going for 35 years. It's actually the 35th um, year next year, or the 35th birthday of the festival or, or iteration of the festival. Um, and, you know, that's a long time. And, and I, I think like all organisations around that age, it's probably undergone 
you know, multiple changes. Um, I think a lot of organisations that started at that time, you know, they were all 100% or close to 100% volunteers. Mm. You know, and times have changed and, and a lot of people don't have the sort of time to, you know, to literally almost give a full working time to voluntarily anymore. Um, and, and also over that time, I think uh, both artists but also audiences and people going to events, their expectations change because let's face it, there's a festival and event on every day, every weekend, every corner you turn around. And so people were really expecting a certain level of organisation. And, you know, for example, if you take the the Pride March, for example, you can't just walk down the street anymore. The permits and everything that you have to have to make sure people can get from one street to another safely is a lot of paperwork. And so, you know, it has had to become, uh, you know, it's had to recruit expertise and knowledge and build knowledge and build knowledge within communities to be able to keep those things happening um, and in a way that I think, you know, you can literally have, you know, tens of thousands of people in, in a space all having a good time. Um, or in the case of Carnival, you know, over 100,000 people in one space having a good time. And um, and so I think that there's been those evolutions, but also, you know, our communities change. Our communities are incredibly diverse. Um, we've wanted to create a organisation and a festival um, where you know everybody feels welcome, but also where everybody's voices and stories can be told. And and so there's been a lot of effort taken in terms of looking at, particularly I guess over the last decade, whose voices weren't being heard, what what stories weren't being seen by the broader communities, and how could we. Uh, do the work, you know, um, not just passively sit back and say, come to us, but how could we do the work to to make sure those stories could be supported and developed and heard and amplified? So you've been um, leading this festival for, I think it says, six and a half years. Um, I have, are, yeah. are there particular things that you um, are, are proud of having sort of brought in during that time? Can you think of some things that sort of weren't as weren't part of the festival that are now that, that sort of mean a lot to you personally? Uh, look, I, first of all, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to personally claim any one thing because everything is a lot of work by a lot of people. But I guess the things that I am really proud to be a part of seeing instigated over that time is, um, you know, as our development work, we're no longer. I mean, the three week festival is always going to be our gem; it will never be replaced. But we now do a lot of work all year round. Um, we hold mentorship programs um, that run for nine months at a time, really investing in, in people and their ideas and their skills that bring out new things for our festival and I hope also for other things, you know, other venues and festivals throughout the year as well. I'm really proud of a lot of our signature programs that have really shone the light on parts of our communities that might not otherwise have been said to stage. And, you know, that's been everything from Body, which was a collection of 21 um, events that really looked at uh, gender diverse trans and intersex work and, and most of that work was commissioned by Midsummer. Um, Queer Unsettled which was focused on uh, the stories of First Nations in Australia but also Pacifica, New Zealand, Asia um, because so many of the images we still see are, are from the US and, and from Europe and so it was really nice to have uh, people reflecting on what it is to be queer in this country, whether you were born here or came here. Um, we also have worked really hard at developing new work for families, particularly with young children, because a lot of our communities um, and our rainbow families, they still don't see a lot of their own lived experiences reflected back at them through you know, other mediums. And we wanted to make sure that work was being created that told their stories. 
Um, and so, you know, there's there's so many things. I love the fact that in the last two years we've really, we've always said we're statewide, but we've really worked, you know, stepped up in the regions. Yeah, I think that, uh, we've that, got work, yeah. that's been Im- really important because what often happened in the past is people from the regions would come down for a particular event yeah. or they'd come down for, for yeah. Carnival Day. And, I mean, when you've got over 200 events at over 100 different venues, <laughs> you've got, yeah. you know, I think 5,000 artists and performers involved um, yeah. and an audience, you know, figure exceeding a quarter of a million. Is it any sur- yeah. Is it any... <laughs> you know, surprise that Midsummer has has grown, you know, to the size it is, but also, you know, it receives a lot of a lot of corporate support, an awful lot of government support and long term support. And I think people need to they need to go to the Midsummer website to have a look at what's on and try and work out exactly what they can go to. But to remember that Midsummer Festival exists for all of us. And just for a moment yes. Yeah. We all need to support it. Just think for a moment what it would be like if it didn't exist. Mm. And look, you know, I think particularly this week again, we've we've all had in our faces the reminder that there are people who yes. uh, still have so much hate, and you know, and uh, then you take the flip side of the parts of our community still feel so alone and absolutely need to know that we all stand with them, um, and um, and that's why you know uh, venues and events for our communities are so important and I always like to think festivals are also the time that you know you can hopefully completely immerse yourself and you don't just go and see one or two things but you go and see some things that you might not otherwise see and you you know hear some new stories and new experiences and you support uh, new parts of our communities and and uh, younger artists and uh, as well as senior artists and have a great time so we've got I'm looking here uh so Ballarat, Gippsland, Shepherd and Wangaratta, Bendigo, Warrnambool and some other places, uh, you know, regionally. And that's, that's and you know, Gippsland is a big area. Uh, Harriet Ching will be happy about that, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, the hubs around Melbourne. With the events, Karen, um, there's always room for more, isn't there? You know, do you have a, do you have to, you, you know, you obviously have a budget and, and the ability and venues and things. Yeah. Do you think, you know, can you continue to see the festival getting bigger or is it going to, if it gets bigger, is it going to spread out more regionally? Yeah, look, there's certainly, there's, there's room for more. Um, yeah. I'm, there's two things there. One is we're actually not that well funded. Um, in, in terms of core funding, we probably are one of the, what would be the lowest funded festival of our size. There are smaller festivals that get more funding than we do. So, you know, um, but we, we've got really, really good at, at, um, at pulling partnerships together to make things happen because we know how important that is. Um, and then got flipping to the side of just pure size, I'm a big believer that it's important that you go deep first. So, you know, um, with our curated program, that's about really supporting those voices and stories and, and identities that are not necessarily centre stage normally, but in a really deep, meaningful way and not trying to spread ourselves too thinly so that it's a scattergun approach. Um, and one of the criticisms that I think a lot of larger festivals have in Australia and also around the world that have, you know, just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger is they get more events, but a lot of those events, very few people go to. You know, we've probably all been to festivals where you're sitting in an audience 
audience with two other people and it's mm. really sad and we don't want that to happen and what I love about what I'm seeing is this growth in the festival and we've had up to pre-COVID we had 280 more than 280,000 people come to the festival um, in 2020 just before COVID hit and even during COVID we still averaged a quarter of a million each year and you know but it is that thing about making sure that you're doing that in a way where we're bringing people together to these events so that they're successful and that people are putting on things and they're being well attended and that we're constantly growing that and we're growing it also because we're reaching out into new parts of our communities and new regions and and so you know that growth more events but more people going to those events um so that everyone's successful look i you know um i remember when when midsummer basically started um and having seen it grow and, you know, the festival has changed. You know, if you went to the first one and you went to this one, you wouldn't, rec- you know, you, you wouldn't recognise it. It's, it's, it's so much broader. It's so much more engaged. It's so much larger. Um, and, you know, it's a courageous festival because it gives, it, it showcases things and issues and artists that, you know, may not otherwise perhaps... Uh, get a look in uh, and and cover mm. subjects that people sometimes find uncomfortable. So I think it's really important, um, the festival. And in terms of not, not getting enough funding, Karen, all of the community organisations in our community, none of absolutely. us, none of us yeah. get enough funding. No, uh, that's true. We, that's absolutely true. We have, you know, we have been, we have attracted a lot more funding in the last few years, but mm. it's never enough. It's never no, enough. No. And that's because the need's there, isn't it? There's yeah. so many people who want to engage and there's always more we can do. But, you know, we, we all, uh, you know, we don't lobby for that funding on air. We do it behind the scenes, but I'm sure some are listening. Absolutely. So if you are listening, show us the money. <laughs> and going back to that courage thing, um, that's something I'm really glad you used that word because I think that, that actually not many people know this, but I've got tattooed on my arm, courage and truth. Yes. And I and I think that it is that in sense of, you know, being able to say, you know, sometimes you have to have difficult conversations and but you open up to, to so many more opportunities and uh, and hear so much, you know, and bring so many more people together by having that courage to uh, to be that open. And yes. listen. Nothing ever happens from being timid, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Karen Bryant, CEO of Midsummer, thank you. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for the work you do in the festival with all the people you work with, all the volunteers, all the performers, you know, everyone who's who puts in their time or is sometimes paid for their time. It makes a difference. It's an incredible festival. Over 35 years, really important. Uh, people should go to the Midsummer website and have a look. Pick, you know, a few events to go to because... There's a hell of a lot to choose from. I don't think you could actually get to. I think you could actually get to all of them, you know, because you'd have to be in three places at once on some occasion or four places. But congratulations, Karen. Thank you, and uh, thank you for um, joy support. And it's great uh, being on on the radio this morning talking to you all. Our pleasure. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.